We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna. You know, my message is simple. This football team is. Is uh, I'm excited about this team. I, I think we're a zillion miles ahead of where we were last year, and that goes without saying. But especially in the communication part on defense, the uh, the way that we're disguising coverages, all that type of stuff. You know, okay, I admit I should have done it last year, or whatever. But here this year, I'm. I mean, I'm extremely confident that we'll be a lot better than we were last year defensively, and I think offensively. All the shifts, motion, all those things that that our offense is, we're doing at a high level. Where, you know, uh, we we've got all of it down. The mental part of the game, a lot of that is down, and so it's just. Uh, I think we're going to have a heck of a football team, and, and I'm excited about it. Welcome to the Rock Pal Report, everybody. That was Rex Ryan talking about our defense, and also about a number that he can't count to from BuffaloBills.com. A zillion, Rex? You're going to go with a zillion? What are you, five? You couldn't come up with a more quantitative measure of how much better we are than we were last year? What an idiot. He can't get past eight. <laughs> Even though this sounds like Rex Ryan just talking you know, out of his ass like he usually does, though, you've heard it from players and from people you know, on the team, players on the field, in different interviews over the course of the last two weeks, ever since practices began, that the presences of Rob Ryan, Rex, you know, Ed Reed, Rob Ryan, Rex Ryan, all of them being on the field with these rookies and everybody else, it's its helping. So I guess I can see why he feels that way. Now, before Chris stops, you know, so he doesn't just stops pointing at me, Chris Kruger on produce, production, and then I've got Doug Roloski sitting in with us tonight, boys and girls. What's going on, people? Doug's here to help us celebrate a momentous occasion. Before we even get started with any of this, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to this show. You guys put us here. We got our first episode with 100 downloads. Episode 24. That was right after the draft. That's fantastic, when we had guys. Kyle Smith on from AFC East Bros. And I can't tell you how pissed I'm going to be this week when I talk to my mom and she's like, 
I tried listening to your podcast, and it just turns out you just pressed download a hundred times. Because we know <laughs> Kyle from AFC East Bros listens to our podcast, so it's one download from Kyle, a hundred from my mother. That's all, what moms are for. In all seriousness, guys, I appreciate it. Chris appreciates it. We couldn't, I we love couldn't it. do this stuff without you guys listening to me sit here and I'm getting drunk tonight. Talk about we the just started. I'm on my second rum and coke. And I had a beer <laughs> earlier Uh-oh. while I was taking a shower when I got home from work because right. I'm a champ. Like we do every week, we're going to tee this all off with the Buffalo Bills news update. Now, the Buffalo Bills are making headlines this last week for absolutely all of the wrong reasons. First off, I'm driving into work, and I'm listening to Whaley on WGR. You know, I'm getting close to work. I'm like, all right, they're wrapping up their article, and he's talking about injuries. And I hear him say the phrase that football is a game that humans weren't intended to play. And then they went to – that was one of the last things, and then they kind of segued into something else and then went to break. And I remember as I heard it, I was like – Ha, that's that's a dumb thing to say, especially if you're a GM. Especially if you're an NFL GM. You're a GM. You hear that? You're like, oh, okay. One says apology coming. Well, sure enough, the media just took that and ran with it. And we were all over the news. I it's loved a complete it. non-story, but I can see why. Because if you think about it, the NFL as a whole, everyone, everyone. At their corporate offices in New York City is probably face palming the second they find out that Doug Whaley said this because they're like, Jesus Christ, we're trying to buy off. You know, think about it. They've been trying to buy off the scientists behind the con- concussion reports. They're trying to do everything they can to not make it appear as if football is a safe game. It's not. It's not. People get hurt. That's the nature of the game. So Whaley's comments fly right in the face of that. It's hilarious. They didn't make any sense. I mean, he came back and said, no, 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 no. It's not what I meant to say. Well, guess what? You said it. It's out there. Not only did you say it, but it's just one of the, I don't know, just just to say it on the, you know that this type of stuff is sensitive, so just don't say it. What? (laughs) What an idiot. Oh, what a loser. And then you got Rex and Rob Ryan, who decided, you know, they're making headlines after an interview with Jenny Varentis from the Monday Morning Quarterback. Now, putting those two in a room together is any reporter's wet dream. You know what they're turning into? They're turning into the uh, O'Doyle Rules family from Billy Madison. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're turning into. I'll tell you, their interview didn't, didn't disappoint. It included hot takes. They talked a little smack, and then they gave out bulletin board material for I don't know players, coaches. It's it's unbelievable. It's just getting it's just getting ridiculous. I'm waiting for a son to show up next year to be the head of our analytics for how many sausages we sell <laughs> week at home games. I mean, it's for getting those, that bad. For those of you who didn't go out of your way to read it in its entirety, let me recap some of the highlights. First off, Rex claims to have gained almost thirty pounds because Rob relaxed his lap band. And eats like a monster. <laughs> and he is now a bad influence on Rex Ryan. Tummy likey. Tummy want wingy. <laughs> then Rob Ryan decides to step out and make claims, which have since been disputed by Sean Payton, that the last two years of defense in New Orleans weren't, quote unquote, his defense. Is he just, not the D coordinator? 
I think that's what his title was. That's what he got paid for. Guess what? It falls on you, pal. Oh, it goes, it? he goes one better. Later in the interview, he claimed that the organization tried to copy what the Seahawks were doing and just kind of pigeonholed him into this system that he no longer had the personnel to fit. Which I don't, me, oh, almost on. has a little bit of kit. I can see that because think, think about this. They lost Malcolm Jenkins. They let, their, they let their Pro Bowl safety go. Roman Harper goes to the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers' defense all of a sudden becomes a, a force. The Saints hemorrhaged all of their secondary players. They lost Jonathan Vilma. And then they, and half of the reason that they lost a lot of these guys or couldn't afford to find serviceable replacements was because of the Jarius Bird contract. How about that? Okay. So the last two years, Rob Ryan was in New Orleans. That wasn't his defense. Are you kidding me? What would you say you do here? <laughs> All I can say is this. I get it. I get where what he's trying to say. Do I buy it? Not really. I, I buy a little bit of it. And that little bit of it is that if you wanted to tell me that he didn't get to coach his players the way he wanted to, I'd call you a jerk because that's your job. If you weren't doing your job, you should have stopped collecting a paycheck and just gone home and sat on your couch. Should have quit. It's just an excuse, and it happened two years ago, and he's thinking like, eh. But, but I will say, can you name any players on the Saints defense? Will Smith. Oh, wait, he's dead. Jer- too besides, soon, man. Too bes- soon. Besides too Jarius soon. Bird, can too you soon. name anyone? Besides Bird and Browner, who can you name on that defense? That's my point. There aren't any standout players on that defense except for the linebacker that they took, uh, uh, Stephon Anthony. Yeah. Aside from him, there's really no impact players on that defense. They let them all walk because they felt like they needed to sign Jimmy Graham and Jarius Bird. So that's... It's it's a problem, and I can see why he would feel the way that he feels. But at the same time, it's also a, a giant cop out. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: when he's saying that, you know, it wasn't his scheme or anything like that the last couple of years. I mean, you're right. You bring up a good point. Besides two or three players, they really didn't have anyone on defense, and they have no one. I mean, but they were giving up over what 31 points a game. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's inexcusable. If you're a good defensive coordinator, you're going to get you know, good play out of mediocre players. But he got fired halfway through that season, and it got worse after he left. I thought that's why they signed Jerry's bird. <laughs> and where's he been? <laughs> Nowhere. Oh, Vaccaro. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Very Kenny good. Vaccaro. Bang. Texas. Doug coming through in the clutch. Then Rex went out of his way to take a cheap shot at Mario Williams. Now, I want to read to you guys because I quoted it in a post that I put on Buffalo Rumblings, and I... <sighs> I think Rex hit the nail on the head. I don't know what you guys think. But, you know, I'm taking a look here. So, this is Rex. So, Varentis asks him, because she says, oh, you know, that's why we made some of the changes we made. Varentis asks him, oh, you mean the changes to your roster and coaching staff? Rex says, player-wise, sometimes the salary cap kind of influences you. Look, I like Leotis McKelvin, Nigel Bradham. Mario Williams, yeah, but he's making $17 million in Miami. Guess what? It wasn't going to happen. Now, look, with some of the comments Mario made, do I wish him well? No, not really. (laughs) But he's on Miami. If he would have gone somewhere else, maybe I'd wish him well. He's a good kid. But I'm used to some mean mother effers that play out there. The Terrell Suggs, the Jared Johnsons of the world. I screwed them, too. I made them drop into coverage, too. Not one of them bitched. 
Von Miller dropped into coverage in the Super Bowl. Why? Because that's what's asked of him. That's what the job is. Your job is to play. Right. Let that sink in for a second. There's a coach flat out saying, listen, I don't give a shit who you are. I've played with guys who have been to Pro Bowls and been Super Bowl winners and been defensive players of the year. Shut your mouth and do what I tell you to do. I respect that he's willing to come out and say that because that's the that's the mentality a coach has to have. I run this ship, not you. And I think it's a big part of the. I think it's a big part of why he's not here anymore. Right. I mean, he was unwilling to do what the coaches were telling him to do. And if you're that athletic, if you're that kind of guy, okay. Mm-hmm. You need to do whatever the coach tells you to do. If he wants you to drop and cover sometimes and play, you know, the outside or play contain, anything like that, you got to do it. Now, I would not expect him to do that for, like, Ted Washington. All right, you're not going to send him back in coverage. Or even when he asked Darius to drop back a couple oh, times. Oh, that may be crazy. That, that's ridiculous. But Mario Williams is different. He's a pure monster. He's just an athlete, okay? And to say, no, I just want to rush the quarterback. It's unacceptable. Especially for the money they're making. What I know is that this is we are the second team to let Mario Williams walk away when his effort didn't justify his price tag. Right. Point blank and period. Okay? Well, plus he's thirty two. Yeah. Your it's, prime's it's, over. Your prime you're thank on the you hill for of your, your prime. Thank you for your prime. Thank you for all you did for our organization when we had Jim Schwartz and your lackluster performance last year. I'll, Schwartz. I'm not going to try to undersell Mario Williams, because his contributions here, I mean, the guy put up double-digit sacks he did. almost every year until mm-hmm. last year. But what I think back to is a season where, then this is the type of guy he is. A me guy. We're playing the Jets week one in a season where everyone had high expectations for us, thought that we were going to come out and set the world on fire. We had a rookie quarterback plan, and... Everything was going to be good. C.J. Spiller, everyone was healthy. You know, people were healthy enough. C.J. And then we got blown out by the Jets with a right tackle who was a virtual unknown at this point. And after the game, all Mario Williams did was cry about how his wrist hurt and how he thought he was getting cheap-shotted during the game. Excuse me. You're, you're the biggest guy on the field. If that guy cheap shots you, you go out there and punch him in the mouth. And when you take the 15 yards, you just let him know, listen, I'm not afraid of you. He doesn't have that killer instinct. No, he doesn't. Like. He's, he's soft. He's, he seems like he's a nice guy. Like he doesn't have the I'm going to kick your ass kind of style. You know what I mean? No, Which you need in football. And I think that's what Rex Ryan was alluding to is the fact that he's used to some nasty guys. Right. And Mario just doesn't have that. He's soft. He's talented, but he's soft. He's soft like puppy shit. You can't. You can't teach nice. someone that's to. That's a good one. You can't teach somebody to be hard, and he just they just didn't think he had it, so they let him walk. And then they closed it. The article with a point about having to win now, not just for their own careers. And I think that's one of my takeaways that I think gets lost in this entire thing. People are like, "Oh, it's Rex just being Rex, talking about how he's going to win," and Rob just doing what he usually does in grandstanding. They brought up the fact that their father is dying. They know this. That he's dying. Have you seen the 1985 30, 30? And they said that yeah, this man. is the last, this might be the last opportunity that their father gets to see them win. Defensive innovator, if Buddy Ryan. If that's not enough motivation for anybody to do whatever it takes, that's why Rob's here. Because if they're both, 
Rex Ryan, like he's, I think he said it once. He was just like, listen, if I'm going down, I'm going down with the ship. I want my brother with me because there's nobody else I want with me. If this is how I'm going out, this is how I'm going to do it. Right. Let's call it what it is. I mean, you would do it for your brother. You would do it for your brother. He's hooking his brother up. You know what? Nah, come on. Come on my team. I'm running the show. Get you a, ga- a gig. We'll maybe put our we heads can, together. Maybe we can win so that dad can see it right. before he dies. Do you guys buy into any of this hype? on uh, some of the alternative media sites that Rex's job is on the line in year two? Yes. I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure because I think Pagula bought the team. He expected that he could turn around faster than it's happening. And I think he got burned with Darcy Regeer because he trusted all the hockey guys. And all the hockey guys said Darcy Regeer knows what he's doing. And yeah, then- he knows. He, Regeer knew enough to turn down... A trade with Boston where the two main pieces were Vanek for Sagan. Yeah. You can hear Paul Hamilton say that on GR. Mm-hmm. He said it multiple times. And I think he's been burned before, so now he probably has kind of a short fuse when it comes to that. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the only two. If they don't make the playoffs, here are the only two scenarios, in my opinion, where he's not fired. One, Tyrod breaks his leg week one, and they don't have a quarterback. Okay, they got to go roll with EJ all year. Then you're just going to say, okay, Rex, year three, let's do it. Well, or, we, don't, we don't know. We know what we have with EJ Manuel. You wouldn't go straight to Cardell Jones? No, I wouldn't throw him in the fire like that. No, not nope. God, no. No. Nope. Uh, then or, he'll be like, yeah. J- well, then he'll be like J.P. Lossman. Yeah. I bet you J.P. could have been a good quarterback if he didn't get thrown right, right in. And if that, that whole quarterback fiasco with Kelly Holcomb and him and back and forth. It shouldn't have happened and that's what will happen with Cardale Jones if you throw him in. Yeah. And the other scenario is, with that not happening, is what happened to the Patriots, what, five, six years ago. They finished 11-5 and five, or if we finish 10-6 and six and don't make the playoffs just because someone else is better, then I don't think he gets fired. But those are the only two scenarios if they don't make the playoffs. If you have a, if Tyrod's healthy all year and that defense, you got your defense in there, and you go nine and seven, miss. Eight and eight, miss. He's gone. He's gone. Then there was more scrutiny leveled at the Bills front office, as if there wasn't enough coming in already, from Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News in this weekend's paper. Most of it was regarding Shaq Lawson and his injury situation. You know, it was initially reported that the team and the player got together, had a conversation, and decided that his shoulder should be repaired for the good of his career. However, Carucci claims that the team was basically in denial. They were completely content to have him try to play out this season, regardless of how bad his shoulder was, and then they'd fix it next year in, an order, in order to just save face. You know, but the player made the decision to, to demand surgery and force their hand. Just what the hell is going on? Buffalo, Buffalo Rumblings author Dan Lavoie penned an article today touching on the state of our medical staff and whether or not we should be concerned. Let me just read you. You know, I'm going to do a brief synopsis of it. But Do you know who hates our medical staff, one of our friends? Hmm. Gary Smith. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I've heard. I listen to their podcast weekly, and I think for the last three or four weeks I've heard Gary talk about his disdain for our medical staff. Well, just to overview the article. First off, they took an over, overly optimistic opinion of Shaq Lawson, right? That's on them. They said, oh, he won't need surgery, and then all of a sudden he needs it. They mishandled Sean, Sean Trell Henderson. 
Okay. If you have Crohn's disease, you have Crohn's disease. That's not something that you can take some rest for a week or two on. Okay. The team improperly diagnosed it, according to Tyler Dunn from the Buffalo News. The team failed to properly diagnose the illness when Henderson first got the stomach pains. He went to the medical staff and they misdiagnosed it. Then he lost 20 pounds and had to be hospitalized. And now he's had two serious surgeries in order to remove parts of his intestines so that he can continue to live a normal life, much less play football. Can I tell you who should be to blame for all of this? And it's because now it's happening with a second team of his, Bagula. Sabres just had to fire halfway through the season. They fired part of their medical staff and their training staff because the players were complaining they didn't like how they were being put on certain regimens and not being taken care of after like that. And someone stepped in, and they had to get rid of them. And now this is being complained on the Bills, too. Pagula's got to step in, and whoever he's listening to... He takes to it a step farther. ...is not good. It goes even longer than that. The assessment of Leotis McKelvin's ankle injury. People forget about that. They kept calling it that it was just a small injury, and he'd be back. He didn't play until week nine. He didn't play until week nine. But we had Ron Darby. Nobody cared. But but Who? my point is, is that they said that he was expected to return the field as a rotational starter. First day of training camp, they put him out there, and two drills in, he has to get yanked off the field. You don't put a guy out there who's not healthy. That's garbage. I don't care. That's Bush League. If that guy's not ready to go, then you sit him through the He's He's a veteran. What do you mean? RG3's fine. That doesn't happen in the league. It just, it pisses me off. And then when, now that I'm seeing it all stack up in front of me, LaShawn McCoy's hamstring injury. If he, week one, we win, whether we have LaShawn McCoy out there or not, we win week one. Right. Okay. Week two, week two, we did not need LaShawn McCoy running around out there. Week three, you could still tell he was not the same player. He no. wasn't. He wasn't the same guy. Is our, med- our medical staff, it's the same medical staff that Marv Levy had. Am I not, am I right? On that, I, I'm I'm almost positive that's what I've read about our medical staff. They've been around for years. Dan finishes the article with these bullet points. Sammy Watkins coming back too quickly from broken ribs. EJ Manuel with a knee injury in the preseason but decides he needs to, but he's our week one starter. What about those vision problems he had against Jacksonville? <laughs> I can't and, see. And just the general complaints and about the overall health of our roster. Our medical staff, if they're not already under fire, they need to be. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And when someone puts it, and I guess I never took a step back to think about it until I read the article and actually see it all laid out in front of me. But they, they need to, someone needs to step in and do something. Gary Smith, the AFC East Bros podcast, has been driving this bus for weeks. I cannot tell you. How many times I've listened to their podcast and he is complaining about our medical staff. Well, we're going to get on some good news, okay? I don't want it to be all negativity over here. Chantrell Henderson is expected to come back this week. Okay, he's going to get in the weight room. He's going to come back to the team. He's going to try to put on, you know, it's going to be his first action since, what, the Eagles game last year? Yeah, it's been a while for him. I saw him Wegmans the other week. Did you? Skinny. Yeah. Yeah. He. That's the thing with Crohn's disease, though. It's it's not a joke. Your body can't process anything. And when you're sick, you're sick. You can't take anything in. Guys who rely on that muscle mass and have to have that 
you know, that strength and that power, the ability to keep working out in order to maintain a high level of performance. You can't do it. You can't do it. No, especially those type of guys. I mean, you need to eat up. These, these guys, especially linemen, you know how many calories these guys got to take in? Just think about it. Especially they're if big. you're dropping weight like he is oh, with Crohn's disease. And they're Wait, working out. We, hang on. We were talking about this before the show. We were talking about this before the show even started. It's funny that it's coming up now. Wait. Who wants to – the heaviest players on the team, I'm going to list them. T.J. Barnes, Cordy Glenn, Cyril Richardson, Marcel Darius, Chantrell Henderson, Keith Lumpkin, Cyrus Quanjo, Ryan Groy. You know what all, all eight of those guys have in common? They're – all except for one of them playing offensive line right now. You have to be a big-bodied man in order to play offensive line in the NFL. Have to be guard, and tackle, so center, don't matter. You got the be hope is that he can come back, he can find his way with a new diet, and with with the surgeries and everything else, he can put on the weight and strength that he lost during his time away from football in order to come back and compete for that starting right tackle spot. I mean, if nothing else, he provides veteran depth now. After two years in the league, he is our veteran depth. Do you expect Chantrell Henderson to start at right tackle, or is it going to be Jordan Mills? I honestly Mills? think Jordan Mills has that with just because Chantrell is so far behind. I think Mills started. But if he can get back to his weight and his strength, I think Chantrell can take it. It ain't Quanjo. That's for sure. And then we're going to end with a, with a purely positive note here for the Buffalo News update. Let me know when you're ready. Finally, the Buffalo Bisons have announced that their upcoming game on Saturday, June 11th, has been designated as the quote-unquote keep, keep Brady suspended night. Now, the ad states they're encouraging people to wear their Bills gear to bring signs about Tom Brady. Anyone named Tom or Brady has to stand in the concourse for the first four innings. And then during the seventh inning stretch, they're going to put on a montage of other famous cheaters in sports history. Now, come on, Buffalo. If that doesn't warm your heart just a little bit at the end of a shitty week, I don't know what else does. I mean, this is what I love about sports in Buffalo. Uh, you're the worst thing that ever happened in America. You're Seriously, it goes you, slavery, and then Pearl Harbor 9-11 combined. Now... Now, I don't know exactly what Louis C.K. was talking about there, but I'm pretty sure it was Tom Brady. I mean, we can all agree that that seems like a It was from a show on FX, Louis, and he was talking to a heckler that wouldn't shut up during his performance. Thanks, Chris. You can't ever let me have anything, can you? No, cannot. But that's what Tom Brady is, right? The worst thing in America? Can I ask something? Is there any other human being more hated in Buffalo? Well, then Tom Brady. That doctor who hit that chick and ran off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he might like be here more than Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, that's well played. And then he got a year in jail because he's a rich doctor. Right. That guy probably gets hated more. I don't I think. Don't, um, for, hang on. What about Artemio Sanchez, the, bath, the bike path rapist? He probably gets hated more. No. I was gonna, no? No, <laughs> I think. I was going to keep it sports-related. That's insensitive. I was going to keep this sports-related for those... Who like hockey over football? Brett Hull? Anybody? Brett Hull. Brett you know Hull. What? It no. happened. I, I hate think Chris Neal is hated more than Brett I Hull. hate the ref who let that call happen. I don't blame Brett Hull because if I was a player, I'd do the same thing. I like his idea, Chris Neal, hating Chris Oh, yeah, Chris Neal's a scumbag. He's been a scumbag his entire life. But the fact is, is that because he's such a piece of crap, 
and he's just like hated, the hate actually fuels him. It keeps him alive. One more thing, and then I'll drop it. Tom Brady or the Lackawanna Six? <laughs> Is my wife a part of that? It's tough. It's tough to pick which one I hate more. I guess I'd say I'd like to see them all thrown in jail. I'd like to see them all thrown in jail. If that includes my wife, I'm for that. Now, guys, this is where this entire episode has been getting to. We're going to get into the meat meat and potatoes of this now that we're done talking about all the terrible Bills news. With OTAs and with off-season workouts starting up, the Bills pretty much have their 90-man roster put together. Minus Dre Archer. (laughs) It's Dre. Dre Archer. (laughs) Dre Archer. Whatever the hell his name is, he's not here... And he's not coming. I don't care whether he's here or not. That guy means nothing to me. But considering all this, I thought maybe we should, you know, let's get a little primer going because training camp is coming up. And I don't want to waste any time when training camp's here trying to talk about the different positions and naming every loser who's on the team. You know, there's 45 guys on this roster right now, eh, 40, eh, who won't be employed by the Buffalo Bills come early September. Week three of the Some uh, of them will latch on to practice. Some of them will make it to the practice squad. And then some of them will get sent packing and they'll go find jobs elsewhere. This week, we're going to go over the defensive portion of the 90-man roster as of today. With the exception of Colt Anderson, because I did not want to speak of him. Is it because of that play on MNF? <laughs> Best trick, punt, play, special team Ever. ever. <laughs> we hear him so, so we're going to get this together Now that my producer is drunk He's legally drunk now folks Look at him, he's cheering himself on like In the Hard Rock Cafe glass From 1998 Meanwhile, It's my only glass that holds the I'm most on my fourth, alcohol I'm on my fourth glass Of On the Rocks uh, Captain Morgan 1671 If anyone out there is a uh, rum guy I'll tell you this is extremely drinkable it's Or extremely if you're a rum woman Drew, come on. Listen, they have hair on their chest. They don't count as women. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to break this down position by position because the Bills have a 90-man roster as of today. Before training camp gets here, I want to talk about each and every member of the team so that we kind of have an idea of what we're getting into when we start talking about position battles and things like that that actually matter. So with that being said, tonight we're going to devote the podcast to talking about the defense. Okay. Now, it all starts at defensive end. Dougie, I've got LeVar Edwards, third-year pro, LSU. Jerry Hughes, everyone knows who Jerry Hughes is, a guy we stole from the Colts. For Calvin Shepard. For Calvin Shepard, straight up. Shaq Lawson, rookie first-round draft pick. Out. He will miss training camp. Claudel Lewis, undrafted free agent out of Fresno State. Cedric Reed. Undrafted free agent out of Texas, and Max Vallis, a second-year pro out of Virginia. My analysis of this group is that with Mario Williams leaving for Miami, this is going to be a group that it's going to be tough. You know, there's no depth behind their starters. There's no trustable depth behind their starters. You've got three people listed here: first-round draft pick Shaq Lawson and two undrafted free agents that were not here when we had Jim Schwartz. So how do these three people fit into Rex Ryan's 
system, and can they make a difference? I, the only one I see sticking is Cedric Reed. See, he, the only one I see sticking is Claude L. Lewis. Really? Because he's 6'5", he's almost 300 pounds, he's got that, that and slim begin. that he likes. I like that. I mean, listen, he's an undrafted rookie out of Fresno State. He put up good numbers. Yeah, you can say, what, is Fresno State? That's PAC, right? PAC-12, PAC-10? What are they called now? PAC-13, PAC-14 now next USA. year? USA. Yeah, thank Big you. Big 12. <laughs> so I think that his type, I mean, this isn't saying much. He's like a IK Impala. Did I say that correctly? His name's and IK. Can we just say IK? He's technically an outside All right. linebacker. Okay, so who – this dude from Fresno State – who will he punch in the off in in OTAs here? Better not Carpenter. be anyone. Better not be anyone on our team. Carpenter. Carpenter. So it's like punching Jesus. <laughs> but if you, I no. Okay, so at the end of the day, we can all agree though that there's a lot of young and unproven talent on this roster right now. At the end, correct. Our traditional defensive ends. There's not a lot of them. Now, if Jerry Hughes and Shaq Lawson are who we're pinning our hopes on, and beyond that, it's a complete question mark. We've all got to keep our you know, just fingers crossed when it comes to injuries. Can you rotate any from the D-tackle position to end? Well, all day I'm, you gl- can. I'm glad you mentioned that because thanks to our depth in the next position group I'm going to talk about <laughs> the, in the variations of Rex's scheme, we're probably going to be okay because when you look at our defensive tackle group, T.J. Barnes, third-year pro out of Georgia Tech. Corbin Bryant, fourth-year veteran, Northwestern. Marcel Darius, sixth-year vet out of Alabama. Adolphus Washington, rookie third-round pick out of Ohio State. Kyle Williams, 11th-year vet out of LSU. And Jarrell Worthy, a third-year pro out of Michigan State. This group is its scary deep. It's so deep that the Bills took T.J. Barnes and said, Hey, you know what, Barnes? We understand that you're a D-tackle, but we're going to try to teach you how to play offensive tackle just in case. Because <laughs> I think in the back of their heads they know he will not make this roster as a D-tackle. I've heard... There's I've, too many bodies I've, who are better than he is. I have read stories. I, uh, I can't confirm it. I'd have to go back and look. Wait, you can read? Yeah, I can read. Yeah, I can read. All right, I went to elementary school up here. I got stupid in Georgia. All right, I've read articles. I think it's it might have been Bucky Brooks from NFL.com. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple of media outlets put it out there that of veterans that can get cut during the preseason, mm-hmm. I've seen Corbin Bryant could be cut. If Jarrell Worthy outplays him. I don't think that's possible. No. You guys have not mentioned an unsigned free agent who is going to not only make the team – but I think he's going to be switching from D-tackle to D-end. Do you mean drafted free agent? Yeah. Okay, what's that? Justin Zimmer. All right, you're right. Justin Zimmer. I didn't mention Justin the Zimmer. The beast These. of Division II Ferris State. Dude, he showed up to Michigan State's pro day. Right. The guy put on – he's a freak, and people like him. But are you going to play – now let me name some names. Because here's the thing. Darius and Williams are our obvious starters. Correct. Right? Adolphus Washington got team. taken in the third round. He's on the he's team. On the team. He's how a third-round pick. They how, much, a, how much can you trust Kyle Williams? Because he's had a couple of seasons with injury, and he's getting up there in age. Okay, which is why they drafted Adolphus Washington. He's a D-tackle who plays Kyle Williams' gap. Kyle Williams is not a space eater. He's a gap penetrator. That's what Adolphus Washington is and should be. So 
what ends up happening here is you've got a situation where Justin Zimmer might be a talented player. Drill Worthy, has ex- he has experienced the NFL. And I personally have a boner for the guy because I watched him. I loved him in Michigan State. He was a force. I remember him blocking a game-winning field goal. They, he won them. He won them a bowl game. He's got that against big pause. Georgia by blocking a field goal in overtime. But the problem is he got drafted. He got drafted to the Packers. Got let go from there. He got sent to New England. They let him go. He can't seem to stick to a roster. So I don't know what it is. He was super productive in college. And now at the pro level, he's just not that good. I don't know what it is, but if he can find the right scheme, he could stick to a roster as depth. So this Justin Zimmer kid might have too much to fight through. College is not a minor league system for the NFL, as people like to put it. If you can't perform in college and you can't perform in the NFL level. But sometimes even if you can perform in college, you still can't perform at the NFL level. And here's the thing you got to worry about. That's called players from Alabama. Oh, you scumbag. If I hear Roll Tide today, Drew, I'm going to lose it. Oh, just wait. It's coming. Three, two, one. Nope. War Eagle. That's why Justin Zimmer, that's why I think he is going to be switched to DN. You brought up your first point. Yeah. Really not deep at DN, but this kid is a beast. He's fast. He put up one of the best. I'm talking out of every single person at a combine. He is one of the most strongest in the bench of 225. He's 6'3", he's almost 300 pounds, and he ran a 4'7", or a 4'8". He's a D-tackle. They don't do that. Well, definitely not in Gowanda. <laughs> uh, home of the Panthers, man. All right. So, you know what? We're going to switch it up here, and we're going to stick with the front seven. Okay. So now we're going to move to inside linebacker and outside linebacker. At inside linebacker, we've got Zach Brown, Fifth-year veteran of NC of North Carolina. Preston Brown, third-year pro out of Louisville. Reggie Ragland, rookie second-round pick out of Alabama. <gasps> Roll Tide! Woo! Horrible. Kevin Reddick, third-year pro, North Carolina. Eric Stryker, undrafted free heel. agent out of Oklahoma. The reason I include Eric Stryker here in the inside linebacker group, first off, before anyone bitches or complains, because this is where I put him, I never heard of half of these guys. <laughs> you should have if you watched college football instead of going to birthday parties with your ex-wife on Saturdays. You know who told me about Eric Stryker? Gary Smith. Exactly. He's got a boner for Oklahoma football. But at the end of the day... I got a boner for Gary Smith. First off, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him know that. Eric Stryker... Truth comes out when you're drunk. He's, I know. He's a strong safety... Inside the box safety at best. He doesn't have the speed to be a deep safety. He can't play the position. His best chance to stick to this roster is if he can grow into Brian Scott 2.0. A guy who can play in nickel packages, who is faster than your average linebacker, but at the same time, you know, you can put him in when you need somebody to cover that spot. But he's shown some ability to blitz in college too. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits. But for the most part, that's your group. The two, okay, the decision to trade up for Ragland and, to bring, in, and to bring in Zach Brown underscore Genius. the fact that this team regrets, they regret the lack of depth that they had last season. A.J. Tarpley and Reddick, this Kevin Reddick guy, were starting football games for our team at the end of last season. And even though we beat the Jets, you know that that's not what the team envisioned at their linebackers. I'm still not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with it at all. 
I don't like their depth. I don't like the depth of the DNs, like you said. I mean, has it gotten better than last year? Yeah. I just, uh, man, I just wish, uh, I wish they had another couple guys in there. Well, yeah, everyone wishes they had a, a loaded linebacker core, but we don't have it. But we're deeper than we were last year, which is which is good. You know, one of the Browns is going to be starting with Raglan this season. I have a feeling that Zach Brown is going to steal Preston's Brown, Preston Brown's job by the end of training camp. Because if Rex knows that this is his last year, he's he's already, even though he tries to give him some, he tries to give Preston Brown some props, he said more negative things than positive things. And I think if Zach Brown comes in and plays his balls off, he's got that job. So Zach Brown then will be doing all the calls, everything I, like that. No, no, Reggie Ragland will be doing it. Think so. They, rookie. He, he's, been doing it since, he's been doing it since the rookie workouts, and he's he comes from Alabama. No team in college football, no team in college football runs a defense as complicated as Alabama. And the fact that he was able to get out there and get the line calls, get the secondary calls in, you can't tell me he can't do it. Look me in the face and tell me that you don't think he can call the defense. He's a very smart young man. He could definitely do it because, again, the SEC, he's coming from SEC, SEC is all defense. Yep. I think... Eventually, Stryker and Reddick. Stryker only makes the roster if he proves he can outplay Reddick in a special teams capacity. If he's a if he's a studded special teams striker, then he finds a role on this roster. Otherwise, he and Reddick are both headed to the practice squad. That brings us to outside linebacker. Manny, Manny. Here, here's the illustrious list of names that we have at outside linebacker. Ik and Impali. Bryce Pop. Literally the only thing IK in Impali should be known for, even though he's a third-year pro out of Louisiana Tech, is punching out Geno Smith because it's the only thing he's ever done to make NFL headlines. Lorenzo Alexander, 10th-year vet out of Cal, journeyman. Bryson Albright, undrafted free agent rookie out of Miami of Ohio. Jamari Lattimore, 6th-year vet, Middle Tennessee. Again, journeyman, practice squad Did player. Did you sign him today? Well, special teams player, yeah. not practice squad guy. Manny Lawson, 10th-year vet out of NC State. Randell Johnson, third-year pro out of Florida Atlantic. No Bryce Pop. Outside of Lawson, everyone else on this list is nothing more than a special teams player. It scares the hell out of me because it makes me think we're going to need a ton of production from that defensive line. We're going to have to have it. I mean – you're not getting anything in pass rush out of our group of outside linebackers. You're just not doing it. So to play a 3-4, you don't have the horses on the outside to get it done. That's why if you look, if you and we've talked about this before, you know what I mean? If you look at the way our roster is shaping up, okay? Mm-hmm. You cannot look me in the face and tell me that they're built for a 3-4 other than a 4-3. They're built. You know what they're pretty much built for? Four they're three actually, over. Yeah, four like three a, over. Like a four six bear. That's yep. what they're built for. That's what they are. And unfortunately, the way the league goes now, with everyone throwing in the tight ends, everything like that. You you can't do that. You can't play the four three over. I would love it. You can play a hybrid of the four three. That's no problem. But we're built to have four guys at least on that D line at all times. Right? You're not wrong. But if there's any reason to hope that we can stop the passing offenses in our division and in this league, it's going to be because of the next couple groups. Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> You've got our cornerbacks. 
Now, our cornerbacks, we've got some serious depth. Darby. Started off with Ron Darby, second-year starter out of Florida State. Mario Butler, second-year pro out of Georgia Tech. Mario Butler down the stretch showed that, yes, he struggled in some game. Like that Jets game, he got beat by Brandon Marshall. Well, he's a rookie, and Brandon Marshall is an all-pro. Yep. But he made that game-saving play to slap the ball out of that guy's hands, uh, Curly, as he's running down the sideline. He swats his hand at the last minute. In the fourth quarter. Yep. That is correct. Otherwise, that touchdown wins them the game. Yep, and then uh, Fitz in the playoffs. Jets uh, in the, in the play- playoffs. Uh, Mario Butler stopped that. Okay, I just want to point that out. So, Mario Butler, second year. Ron Darby, second year. Stephon Gilmore, fifth-year starter, South Carolina. The guy's coming into a contract year. It doesn't look like an extension is going to get done before the season starts. Doug, if you had your choice, do you sign long-term Tyrod Taylor or Stephon Gilmore? Tyrod Taylor, because we've already had good corners on our teams and everything like that, and it's got us nowhere. Then we've got, here's what interests me. These two guys right here. Sterling Moore, sixth-year veteran out of Southern Methodist. Sterling Moore has had some great seasons in this league. Didn't he win a Super Bowl with England? As a spot starter, and he's done well when asked to do well. Nikel Roby, fourth-year vet out of USC. The kid came in as an undrafted free agent and earned a second contract with the team. That's not common. No, he's played. He's he's actually been very, very, very good. And in this type nickel, of, nickel yeah, corner, nickel corner. He he's good. Then you've got guys like Sammy Seamster, second year pro, Middle Tennessee. Kevon Seymour, our rookie seventh round pick from USC. Big, tall, long corner. They said his problem in college was that he had, he needed contacts and he just didn't have the money to get him, and no one had ever asked him. They don't wait, 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 wait. Universities don't give money to their college players to get stuff? No. What? No. That doesn't happen? No. Not even contacts that can let the kids see what he needs to friggin' see so we can catch the ball. I you have know. heard that Rex... It's is, like the wild thing. I've the heard MLB. Rex rave about Seymour yeah. in, in mini camps. Mm-hmm. They flat out said that they stole him from the rest of the NFL. He's a big boy, if well, you he, think about it. He, se- he was seventh round, right? Yep. How do you steal in the seventh? Because the guy couldn't see. Picture Wild Thing. What if he turns out to be the next Wild Thing for Major League? For people who so, don't okay. know that, it's You're... Rick Vaughn. Well, okay. I, w- I was on AIDS. And then to round this out, <laughs> Julian Wiggum, Syracuse, undrafted free agent. Corey White, fifth-year veteran out of Sanford. He came here as a special teams player. Philip Thomas, third-year veteran, Fresno State. Javier Arenas. Six-year veteran of Alabama. Remember when he got drafted, man, how they nope. said he was supposed to just return specialist. And the Patriots made the same mistake in this last draft as the Kansas City Chiefs did when they drafted Arenas in the second round. You do not overdraft small corn. If if I was saying it, I was talking to Patriots fans before the draft, and I said... Pat's Pulpit? Pat'spulpit.com. I was talking to Pat's fans, and I said, I understand the pick. I get it. But just like Javier Arenas, if you took him a round or two or two later, it makes sense. Right. Third round value, fourth round value on a guy who's mainly going to be a return threat. Average cornerback with a little bit of ball skill. A little bit of ball skill. Not a, not a ton, but a little bit. And they're small guys. If you were to tell me that that's the way you were going to go, I would agree with it. Because I'd say, okay, that makes sense. Because these guys, they're... <sighs> 
Can the I players t- like those who they're almost identical. In the I, I would almost argue that um, what was it? Arenas had better cover skills and Cyrus Jones had better ball skills. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they both got overdrafted. As you know what? Just a return guy, though. Javier Arenas can possibly make a spot on this roster. NFL teams overdraft cornerbacks for one reason. It's the most, and this is, you can listen to the majority of GMs across the league. On defense, on defense, it's the most important position on defense. You can oh, yeah. I mean, if you have a shutdown or two, two shutdown corners that can just take away the pass game, Good luck running on teams in the NFL now. Oh, yeah, good, because good they'll luck. stack the box and trust their so, cornerbacks so, to play man defense on right, the outside. Right, so that's why GMs say, you know what, let's take a shot on this guy. Let's go. And you see some of these teams draft three corners in a draft when they mm-hmm. only have seven picks. Yep. It's just because they're trying to hit. They're yep. trying to hit as many as you can. It's like drafting um, Kevon Seymour in the seventh round. Well, I'll tell you this. When I look at the group as a whole, Gilmore, Dar- Gilmore Darby – Roby. Happy. There's your starters. Happy. Fantastic. But, but if you want to tell me that I've got Corey White, Sterling Moore, and Mario Butler as my backups. Good. That's fantastic. Good. That is depth. That's true depth right there. Right. That, and that's depth at a corner position where we've been hurt at. Seymour. <clears throat> In that corner, in, hang on. In just the because corner. he's just because he's a he's seventh, a seventh round, round pick, pick. so I he's got. I don't want to bank on him making right. the roster as a seventh round pick. Now, considering all of our backups experience and the fact that Butler was a starter down the stretch for us, that bodes well for our cornerback group. It means we can take an injury or two and probably still be a more competitive team than we were last year. I kind of like that. If it, if this is a passing league, I kind of like that. I like it. Eh. And then we finish up with safety. Okay, These are the guys who are going to keep the ball out of the hands of the guys who... Tom Brady is trying to murder us with. Bakari Rambo. Not yet. Not yet. Damn it. Stay patient. I'm going to run down our list of safeties. Colt Anderson, seventh-year vet out of Montana. Not shocked that no one knows who the hell I'm talking about. Robert Blanton. He is probably the most interesting guy to me in this entire training camp. Minnesota. Robert Blanton, fifth-year vet out of Notre Dame. Yep. Played with the Vikings the last, what, five years? Jonathan Dowling, second-year pro out of West Kentucky. Don't know much about him. He got brought on last year. He was a practice squad guy. Jonathan Meeks, third-year pro out of Clemson. We drafted him. And they like him. They do. They like him as a special teamer, but the guy can't stay healthy. Nope. Corey Graham, 10th-year pro out of New Hampshire. His last year. Aaron Williams, sixth-year pro out of Texas. Duke Williams, fourth-year pro out of Nevada. Hey. My overview of this position as a whole. It's tough to really get a feel as to where we stand because it all hinges on Aaron Williams being healthy. Can I tell you the top, this is just my opinion, the top three guys who I think are going to be rotated the most. This is if Aaron Williams is healthy. Here are the top three guys who get the most play at safety this year. Aaron Williams, number one. Robert Blanton, number two. And Corey Graham, number three. I think all three of those guys are rotated from strong safety, free safety, rotate, rotate, rotate. I mean, because look what happened last year. When Duke Williams was in the game, the guy's a great run stopper. He is. He's a, he can hit. He can tackle. Great. 
That guy gave up so many big plays in that Kansas City game. Alex Smith doesn't throw it deep. It's because, because of Mia Khalifa. <laughs> a porn He's star drunk. shot him down, and he just lost his ability to play football. At the end of the day, Duke Williams is one of the most frustrating players because his big hitting ability and the fact that they put him on the game. The game we won in Chicago, game one. Mm-hmm. Last season? EJ. Two seasons two C- EJ. Fred so, Jackson, big round. So... The game we won against them, they had Preston Brown trying to cover um, tight end. Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett. Trying to cover him, and he was eating us alive. Second half, they put Duke Williams on him. Duke Williams, didn't. he was on that guy like glue, and we ended up shutting him down. Now, Martellus Bennett. he's shown stretches where he can play good football, and then other times, he looks like he's a, he still looks like he's a rookie. It's not acceptable from a guy who's going to be on this roster long term. And this is a make or break season for Duke Williams. He's on the bubble. Can He's I on sh- the bubble now. He may still make it just because of where he was, you know, where we are depth wise. They, I can't argue against cutting him to bring back a guy like Bakari Rambo. I was just going to say, are you surprised right now? And especially with you don't know about Williams, are you surprised Rambo's not on the team? I think they want to see what they have in these young guys first, and I think that they've gauged the market for Bakari Rambo. Nobody's really going to break their necks to sign Bakari Rambo. He's still unless, a free agent. Unless injuries start happening. Right. In which case, maybe that changes. But for right now, this is the set that we've got going into off-season workouts and training camp. I like the safety core right now. I don't, and I'll tell I you like why. It. Duke pisses me off. He's hot and, he's hot and cold. Mia Khalifa. Blanton is a sleeper. Okay, and he has starting experience. He wasn't bad, but then he lost his job to Harrison Smith, who is was awesome. A, he's he's a great player. Right. It was a killer first round pick late in the first round for the Vikings, and that was awesome. Unfortunately, guys like Blanton lose their jobs to more talented guys. Doesn't mean he's a bad player; it just means that guy's better. Was so, it two years ago when he was the starter for the full year? He was. He yeah, actually put up. He put really up great good, numbers. Good numbers. I would kill for those numbers, and that's why I'm excited about him being here. Absolutely. So then. You know, the rest of these guys, to me, are practice squad players. And I think the thing that pisses me off the most is that considering the importance of the safety position in the NFL, you can't, you don't win games, or at least a ton of games, if you have terrible safety play. Because guys find a way to get over the top on you if you can't cover them. It makes me mad that we took Adolphus Washington in the third round. And then Cardell Jones in the fourth, when players like KJ Dillon and Deion Bush and athletic safeties were still out there on the draft board. And instead, we threw more draft capital at a position that's seen more attention on our team than any in free agency and in the draft in the last couple of years. The EJ year. Didn't they draft? Is that the year that Duke got drafted? Yeah. Who Duke Williams and I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fart. Who was it? Meeks. That's right. Yep. It was back to back picks too, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That they went safety one was uh, Duke Williams. Was he yep. out of Nevada? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, listen, Rex likes big physical safeties, okay? When he was going to those AFC Championship games with the Jets, all right, he had some hard-hitting safeties. Landry, look what he did with friggin' mm-hmm. Ed Reed. I mean, Ed Reed is Ed Reed, all right? I'm not, Ed Reed's I'm just a saying. Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. That's I'm why saying, he's here. If you have a safety... Two of them. If you have two safeties in this guy's scheme, it works. It works for him. So he's just trying to hit. I'm well, telling you, I think Blanton's a starter. I really I still do. Think, but yeah, I think Blanton and Graham rotate as starters, and that's just what it is. 
This is what it is. We got to go by committee here because we don't have another clear starter. And if God forbid something happens to Aaron Williams, we're in a lot of trouble. We are in a lot of trouble at that position. Speaking of which, now, we all know injuries happen throughout the course of the preseason, throughout the course of you know training camp. These are the best street free agents available that I think make sense for the Buffalo Bills. Now, you all listening out there, feel free to email, text, tweet. Let me know what you think. RockPileReport716 at gmail.com or on Twitter at RockPileReport. Let me know what you're thinking because I want to hear this. Now, last week, Rico and I got into it about Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden is a veteran. He's a veteran receiver who can still, even if he's not fast, he's a solid possession receiver and the dude can run block his ass off. Doug, do you take Anquan Bolden during preseason? If no one else has him and he's willing to take a veteran minimum, would you have him on your roster? Yes. Thank you. Even if he's not going to take a veteran minimum, if you have the cap space to give him a $2 million deal, would you do it? Yes. You have to think about this. Our wide and, receiver core is young. Right, and you got to think about this, and a lot of fans don't think about this. The locker room is huge mm-hmm. when these guys are young. Look at our roster. These guys are 26, 25, 23, 20. These guys are super young. So a guy who's been to – how many Super Bowls has he been to? He won one with Baltimore. Went to one with San Francisco. He went to one with San Francisco. Did he go – was he on the team he, with Car- I, the Cardinals? He, I, when they like lost he was, yeah. Yeah. Guy's been to three Super Bowls. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I I don't know if he is. Borderline. Borderline. He's a borderline. But he's been on bad teams. He's been on deep playoff runs. He's a Super Bowl champion. If you can get him to say, you know, teach. Teach. Like you just said, you just made a comment. You were joking, but you just made a comment. Ed Reed. You know how big that's going to be for these young defensive backs? It's going to be huge. They're listening to what he brings to the table. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to play for Rex Ryan, here's what you need to know. And the, and the young guys, maybe the older guys, you can't get to them. But the young kids, are eat, they're soaking this up. They're taking it all in. It'd be like the Sabres bringing back Brian Holzinger. That's two references since I've been here to Brian Holzinger. <laughs> I did it again. Oh. Second guy, Ben Grubbs. Okay, our guard depth, it is what it is. We're going to talk about it in a week. But I feel like if you can get a veteran, a veteran guard, right. and just have him waiting in the wings, depending on what he's willing to sign for, it's worth kicking the tires. Deshaun Goldson, strong safety. You guys talked about Bakari Rambo. What about Deshaun Goldson? He signed a fat contract. Okay, a fat contract to leave the 49ers and go to Tampa Bay. And then he was terrible. Because he can't play the Tampa 2. Can't do it. So we don't play the Tampa 2. If he doesn't have a job now, he has no guarantee of getting a job. No. Then he went. To, you know, he went to Washington. Didn't fit in there either. Who's to say he won't take a contract just to show up and prove he can't play? I think, like I said, you know, you see these guys that are still sitting there who you, I can't imagine that Bolden doesn't have a job or that Goldston. I can't imagine. I think, like you, you, you said, a lot of teams are waiting to see if any of the young guys right away. Just start shining. Just start yep. shining. You know what I mean? And if not, and as soon as injuries happen, these guys are going to be scooped up. Yeah. Next up is Antonio Cromartie, cornerback, <laughs> out of formerly of the New York Jets. He needs a job, too. Bad. Yeah, because that child support's coming knocking. Yeah, Doug, uh, how are our daycare centers around Buffalo? Say it one more time. How are our, our daycare centers around Buffalo? They would love him. 
A lot of money. <laughs> He's got what? 11 kids with 16 different women? The cost of living is 12. small. He could pay for it all here. He could buy a reasonable apartment, spend out a... I almost feel like Cromarty at this point in his career would make a better safety. Cromarty. Like, he should be like... A, he should work at value. Cromarty. You know, think of the products he can have. The Cromarty wrench. I can see him up here on Ridge Road working at Big Lots. Speaking of safety, there's James Ball, Free safety from Detroit. He's played, he's played for the Ravens. He's played in that 3-4 defense before it, and I think he's going to know what they're all about. I think that guy could be – he's old, but, again, depth. I'm looking at what we have, and like you said, they're probably banking on one of these old, one of these younger guys showing something. But if Meeks gets hurt again, we could do a lot worse than Goldson or Edibo. Then my personal favorite as far as to make this roster, we talked about how thin the defensive end position is on this team. My feeling is that when Croy Bierman first came to Buffalo, we pitched him the veteran minimum and he didn't take it. Well, now he's still out there with no job. Do we cut one of these undrafted free agents from our defensive end and bring Croy Bierman in here as a DN? No. Why? I thought he was absolutely horrible in Atlanta. He was a but he wait, got, wait, wait, but he wait, 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 timely play. Wait, he was fantastic on oxygen. First wives of. Atlanta or whatever the And that's is. the other reason why. Wait. I don't want that drama around else. Hang on. Can I, can I hold this for a second? Doug, which one of us, before I announce the last you know, free agent that I'm looking at, who let him drink tonight? I thought um, you were supposed to be watching. No, that's you. Um, and during the whole podcast, all you can hear is... Yeah, that's Chris. Chris has been sucking him back. I want to announce that this might be the first time I've seen Chris this drunk ever in my life. We do have some uh, breaking sports news, though. Oh, we do. Uh, it is. It will be officially announced tomorrow. You're that pregnant. 2017-2018. The NHL will have a team in Las Vegas. I heard that this afternoon. Wow. I heard that this afternoon. Well, considering this is a football podcast, you can take your hockey and stick it up your ass. Now, Oakland Bakari Ramble. Bakari oh. Ramble, everybody. He's a street-free agent. He's out there, and I don't know why he's not on this roster, but God help me. If our safety Because he can't play the run. If our safeties suck during right? training you said camp, that once. I expect to see Bakari Ramble. Yeah, but you know what? You know who I like him better than without even seeing them Duke play? Duke Williams, because he's... Preoccupied with me, Khalifa. I like him better than Jonathan Dowling and Colt Anderson because I don't know who the fuck those people are. I, I uh, Colt Anderson, just uh, I don't know why. Is they that a Monday night them. reference, guys? At the end of the day, this is our team now. This is their defense. This is what's going into offseason workouts and training. Camp. I'm scared. Don't be scared. I'm scared. You guys can't see it, but I'm gently stroking Doug's hair. <laughs> no, that's 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 super weird. I'm not actually doing that. I'm giving him the finger right now. In fact, so hard the back of my hand hurts. Guys, what do you think? Who do you think the Bills should go out and get to augment our depth chart? What do you think about our depth chart? Do you think that we're... Th- I think that we've upgraded depth in certain positions. But again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Some positions still look thin. What do you, our fans, think? I mean, you guys are the reasons we do this. I want some input. 100 downloads. Like I said. <laughs> Corky from Life Goes On is out there. Oh, my God. Someone shut these two up. I'm going to end this right now, but you guys go ahead and get a hold of us. Rockpile Report 716 at gmail.com. Check us out on Podbean, 
on iTunes. Stitcher. You can find us on Stitcher. YouTube. We're on YouTube. We're on YouTube we now. Are, We're making we videos. YouTube. We are making videos. That's not you porn. That is YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Or you jizz. For now. YouTube. The Rockpile Report. Guys, do, the, this is the most, ex, this is the most key, excited you'll ever hear, Chris, because he's phrase, The Search the Rockpile Report. I don't even know what our... Or what our he just hit the fridge. Yeah, I just hit the fridge. <laughs> he just punched the fridge. I don't even know what our YouTube URL is. But if you go to YouTube and you type in The Rockpile Report, you can find us. Follow us on YouTube. He's, We're going to have clips on guys, of our he's, podcast. He's going to start singing uh, Coming to America references real soon. Hang on. He's yelling into the microphone. I just want to give you all a visual before we go. Last thought. He's giving. He's yelling into the microphone like he's Will Ferrell in Blades of Glory, like stepping into that drunken suit to go out and skate around with the musical on ice show. Yeah, that's Chris right now, guys. Breaks that's up the, with his girlfriend in the back. Okay. City of... What is it? Uh, John Denver. John Denver. Oh, my God. Get him out of here. All right, guys. i got to end this... This, this has been the Rock Power Report. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been Doug. Doug, thanks for coming out. You're thanks a good for having sport. me again. Thanks for listening, guys.